This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Struggling to keep up with the latest releases? Want to keep an eye on what's coming out in the next few months for work or your own personal pre-ordering needs? If you need help turbocharging your TBR, Book Riot Insiders is here for you. Our new release index, available at the novel level for just $5 a month, is curated by yours truly, resident reader Liberty, from the All the Books podcast, which you are listening to now. She keeps track of the most exciting books pre-publication so that you can browse them, know when your favorite author's next novel hits stores, or find your next favorite read. Go to insiders.bookriot.com to sign up. Listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 201, and today we are talking about books being released on March 26, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Katie McLean Horner, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Katie, welcome! Thank you so much for having me. I am so ridiculously excited. I'm excited! We've, we, this is our first time talking. Yes, it is! Um, so I'm assuming that you like books and that you have read some. Correct. But uh, could you tell listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Oh, I would be delighted. Um, if any of you guys listen to Red or Dead and think that I sound familiar, that's because I am a co-host of the Red or Dead podcast on Book Riot, where Rincey and I talk about uh, mysteries and suspense novels um, every two weeks. We are going to have a new episode uh, coming out at the end of next week, um, so keep an ear out for that. Um, but otherwise, um, when I am... Uh, for my day job, I am a li- public librarian. I have been in- working in libraries for all going on eight years now. Um, I have lots of stories, so I, I, I love telling library stories to people. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, other than that, I, you know, I've been with Book Riot for go almost three years now. And besides, um, you know, writing for Book Riot and doing the Red or Dead podcast, I also do the Check Your, Check Your Shelf newsletter for librarians. So if you happen to be a, uh, librarian or library related person, um, that is a newsletter that I put out weekly with all kinds of news and updates and stuff on uh, what's going on in the world of books and libraries and things that would be useful for our profession. Um, So yeah, so basically I am like living and breathing books all day, every day, (laughs) 24-7. Sounds familiar. (laughs) However, I am not breathing so well. Um, If you listened to all the backlist last week, you know that I have the plague. I am getting better, but I do sound a little funny, not breathing my best. So, but if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that I'm a horrible physical specimen. So, you know, it comes with the territory. Um, so, Katie, I am going to get started here so that I can go lie down. Okay, you go for it. <laughs> so, uh, my first book today is one that I really, I just can't tell you that much about it because it would spoil it, and it's so much fun. It is My Lovely Wife by Samantha Downing. So we have Millicent and her husband, whose name I'm forgetting. I forgot to write it down, of course. Uh, They are, like, the perfect couple, basically. They fell in love. They had a lovely romance. They got married. 
Um, they have two kids. They live in the suburbs. And, like, they're just, like, a nice, lovely couple, of, you know, from the outside. You know, they look perfect. And But, like, all couples, like, the relationship gets a little stale sometimes. So they take up a hobby to try and keep the romance alive. Only we're not talking about, like, you know visiting, you know, a, a therapist, you know, or exploring some interesting fantasies. These are like, the, I can't even tell you what their hobby is, but you could guess some ideas. Um, <laughs> it is just, it's, you know, um, alarming and twisted and illegal. Uh, so then this is, they're like, yeah, this is what we're going to do to, you know, bond again. Um, I was reading this book and I was like, wow, this is really messed up. <laughs> this is really messed up, and I am enjoying this so much, <laughs> which is, you know, if not, not alarming for me, but um, it's just so much fun. It's like A-plus character development. I was never sure what was going to happen. Uh, you just want to clear your calendar when you read this book because you'll just be able to read it in one sitting. You'll sit down and be like, what is going on here? Um, and, and, and enjoy it. Don't feel bad like for enjoying this. There is a, a Twitter bio I came across several years ago uh, where it just said, I love, and then in parentheses it said fictional, and then it said crime. It says, I love fictional crime. And I was like, that's exactly how I feel. I love these like ridiculous you know, like, stories about murders, and, you know, I know you do, Katie, obviously, you do the mystery podcast, you know, like, like, stuff that's just ridiculous, like, fictional crime, I'm 110% behind it, and this is some of the craziest I've read, so, uh, again, it is called My Lovely Wife, and it's by Samantha Downing. Oh my gosh, yes, I have had that book on my reading list. I have an, an advanced copy that I stole from the library a few weeks ago, and I am so glad to hear that you loved it so much because psychological suspense can be so hit or miss, especially with so many psychological suspense novels coming out nowadays, and I too love, I first episode of Red or Dead, I said, I love my reading tastes fall under the three Ds, dark, demented, and disturbing. So this book sounds like it is 110 percent up my alley and that is probably going to be the next read now that I have finished powering through all the books that I was reading for this episode. <laughs> um, Excellent. So my first pick is probably about as different from your pick as you can get um, but that's okay because you know who, who needs you know segues. Um, so my first uh, my first book that I want to talk about um, if I can pull up my notes, there we go, is Unbecoming, a Memoir of Disobedience by Anurada Bhagwati. Um, this book, well, first, before I get into it, I will, I have to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this um, for sexual harassment and sexual assault. If any one of these bother you, you may want to skip ahead. Um, the This memoir, the author is a former Marine Corps captain, and she talks about her journey to the Marines as a dutiful, she, she calls herself a dutiful daughter from an immigrant family, I think they're from India, um, and how she got went through the Marine Corps and the the really kind of horrific things that she experienced there in terms of misogyny, racism, sexual harassment, um, people in power covering up for serial harassers and assaulters, um, trying to navigate the world of veteran services after, after her service ended and trying to navigate their mental health care system, um, and how that 
kind of transformed her into this this radical activist who like was going to Washington D.C. and talking to members of Congress about making serious changes in military policy and how and how some of these um, and how these issues are handled, how they are perceived. It's this book is like the epitome of a gut punch. Like I had to read this book in short segments over over kind of a longish span of time because I mean it was so enthralling and you know she writes so candidly about the stuff that she goes through, but it was it was a difficult read. Um and for me, this was also really difficult because I used to date someone who was a marine um before I met the guy who is now my husband. Um before him I dated um a guy who was in the marines. Um he he went through boot camp, he went through um he went through a deployment before we ultimately ended the relationship, but it was it, it was both kind of like remembering like some of the terminology that he used because the marines have like their own special terminology for like basic things like um i think hats are called covers and they talk about in boot camp if you wear glasses they're called bcgs which is short for birth control goggles um and like i had totally forgotten about all of this stuff so that was kind of a rush there um but also some of like some of the few stories that he told me he didn't tell me much about what kind of happened in the Marines, but some of the stuff, especially about the attitudes that some that some of the the recruits and the soldiers had or the Marines had again about you know women and it's it's re- it's really horrifying and so it brought back it brought back some memories um which was one of the reasons why I had to kind of take this one in small doses um but this is also like it's a hard read, but it is you cannot fail to be just totally inspired by the author's determination and courage that she has talking about these issues with uh, members of Congress, high-ranking people in the military, like people with tremendous amounts of power who are very openly hostile towards this woman. She's a woman of color. She is a bisexual woman of color telling them, hey, you guys are doing this wrong. It takes, I can't even imagine the amount of courage it ta- it took and continues to take to stand up to these people and to talk about the things that she was, um, that she was experiencing. Um, one of the, I think in Goodreads, in the summary, it says, this is a book that will light a fire underneath you. That's what this book does. Like, it will break your heart, stomp it to pieces, and then it will help you put it back together and say, hey, there's some stuff that's really messed up. And it's time to change something. So this book was incredible. I just, oh my gosh, I I loved it to pieces. I don't think I can ever read it again. It was <clears throat> it was a hard read, but again, the title was Unbecoming: A Memoir of Disobedience, and the author is Anurada Bhagwati. All right, would you mind telling us about our sponsor, please? Oh, yes. Okay, so first sponsor for this episode is The Perfect Girlfriend by Karen Hamilton, published by Graydon House Books, Um, is a uh, number one international bestseller in Canada and the UK. Um, It's been described as the last Mrs. Parrish meets Fatal Attraction. Um, It's a domestic suspense novel about a woman who will stop at nothing to reclaim her ex-boyfriend, including training as a flight attendant at the airline that employs him. 
Juliet has everything going for her. She's young, pretty, and driven, and she's training for an exciting new career as a flight attendant. The darkness in her past doesn't matter because she's moved beyond all that, and she's building a great new life for herself, one that will impress her ex-boyfriend, Nate, who left her in a foolish moment of commitment phobia, one that he surely regrets now. But he'll be so proud of her once he sees how much she's grown. And he will see her. After all, he's a pilot at the very same airline where Juliet is training. What kind of man wouldn't appreciate the effort that Juliet has taken to win Nate back? She cleans his apartment when he's not there, makes sure to leave all his favorite foods in the fridge. It's only a matter of time before he leaves his airheaded new girlfriend and realizes Juliet is the only one for him. He will realize it. Juliet will make sure of it. Because after all, she is the perfect girlfriend. Uh, we will have a link to this book in the show notes. It is available uh, wherever books are sold. And again, that is The Perfect Girlfriend by Karen Hamilton uh, from Graydon House Books. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right. Um, whew, I kind of forgot what I was doing here. I'm like, I'm just sitting listening to people talk about books. <laughs> We're recording a show. Oh, my goodness. This is going to take me out. I can just tell it. All right. So my next pick, I've talked about it, I think, a million times already online on all the backlist. Um, I'm just so excited for this book. And I'm so excited for everyone to get to read it. It is Good Talk, a memoir and conversations by Mira Jacobs. Um, you might recognize her name. She wrote this wonderful novel called a, The Sleepwalker's Guide to Dancing a couple of years ago. It was fantastic. And this is an illustrated memoir about race, gender, sexuality, love. Uh, it, she's so wonderful and smart. Uh, Jacobs is an Indian-American and her husband is white. And uh, they have a son who favors Mira. And he, when he was like around six, things, you know, politics in the country were heating up. And she mentioned, you know, that her son, she calls him Z, uh, he had started to read, which was a good thing and also a bad thing, because now he had all these questions about what he was reading about, like what was happening in the country. Like, why are people so bad? Why are people so mean? Why did people do these things? Um, and she, you know, so she talks like about her own experiences, like growing up in the country as well as, you know, these conversations that she had with her son. And it's just, it's so, he's so earnest. It's like, as kids are when they're asking questions, you know, it's just kind of heartbreaking. This one that really got me is like, you know, he asked her, like, why are people afraid of brown people? You know, and, and then he says, like, is dad afraid of us? Which is just, just, oh, heart-wrenching. And it, it's just, and her art is amazing. Like, she illustrates this herself. And I am just flabbergasted by how, like, if I could do anything, I think, because, like, I have no talent except for reading. <laughs> I think, like, if I could do anything, I would love to be able to draw. And she could just capture people with, like, a few lines. Like, just a few lines, you're like, that's who that is. You know, celebrities or, like, you know, herself or, it's just, it's amazing. It's just these few lines over, like, photographs and you can tell, like, who these people are. And it's, it's so good. She, I think, like, you should put this in the hands of everyone that you know. It's wonderful. So again, it is Good Talk, a memoir and conversations by Mira Jacobs. All right. Um, so my next book um, is a uh, well, where did I put it? There we go. Um, is a young adult novel, a Dig by A.S. King, who I know is a Book Riot favorite author. Um, this is actually the first A.S. King book I have read, which what? I I know I was afraid to admit that in like my book you don't reading. Have to be afraid, I just am like what? <laughs> no, I just mean in general. I'm like, please don't take my book reading card away from me. Um, she has been on my list for a long time, and I'm very glad I finally read. 
um, a book, even a book of hers, even though it is the most recent one. Um, but it was, I, I am picking like these really like hard hitting books to read. This was, this has been a serious couple of weeks of reading, I will say. Um, but okay. So the, the plot is, it is not straightforward. I will say that it takes, um, multiple storylines from five, teenagers who are referred to as the shoveler, the freak, can I help you, Loretta, the flea circus ring mistress, and first class Malcolm. Um, so those are the five characters and you slowly get to know them over the course of the book and you get to know each one of their, um, you get to know each one of their situations, their families, the, you know, their their lives, their quirks, their idiosyncrasies, and you also start to realize that they are all connected in some way. Um, if you well, the, the if you if you've looked at the description or read the plot synopsis, they are all it it gives it kind of gives it away, which you can kind of pick up early on in the book. These the, all of their stories converge around one elderly couple. You also get get. Um, uh, points of view from from the couple as well. It's Gottfried and Marla. Um, so they are Gottfried and Marla Hemmings. They're an older couple. They um, in their family, they are basically only a generation removed from being poor potato farmers in Pennsylvania. But instead, they are big like they have done like big suburban development, and they're sitting on a big pile of money that they that they you know they use to maintain their house, but they refuse to use to help their children who are struggling and like really bad stuff um you know like in a in an abusive marriage um got someone who got pregnant in high school like these are really serious potentially serious issues and they don't give their children money because they want them to thrive well and then so the question is then like okay so what does thriving look like they don't want their children to get used to someone you know helping them out every time there's a problem but there's but clearly they are they are not thriving um this book i mean it it's it is bonkers it is the kind of book that i could not fully explain to you even if we had like 2 hours on this podcast and i could spend most of it trying to talk about this book um it the it asks questions like what is what is the cost of maintaining the a good family name um how you have to ask like questions that you have to ask yourself about the people you live with the people you're related to how can you dig your, you know how can you dig yourself out from their mistakes um from their pasts should you try um it's like i mean the the title dig is it it's like the, it's a it's a metaphor masquerading as a story basically um but it's you know it talks about it it relates to the potato farming background it relates to people trying to you know dig their way out of their family's mistakes um it it's talking about you know digging beneath the surface to find out who someone is it's oh my gosh it's so good um and there's also um there's also like a a theme kind of throughout the book where they talk about kind of like where they talk about white supremacy and like you know from a lot you know these kids come from white families and some of their families have you know they have different levels of you know the some some of their parents are like super racist others it's more just kind of like eh, it's kind of problematic but it's the idea of like who do you enable when you don't 
try to when you don't try to dig deeper into these things when you try to when you just say oh well you know what that's just how they are I don't really ask them about it blah 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 but it's like okay who are you enabling you know do you have a responsibility to you know to move beyond that and to make an active choice to move beyond that I mean there's so many issues going on here but it was it was so intriguing all of the characters they're they're quirky but not like because I have I have some coworkers that really that do are not fans of like John Green level quirky characters. These characters are quirky, but you feel for them. Like you really feel for them. They are struggling. They are imperfect. They are they are trying. They are struggling with some really big things. Um, I I loved this book. I mean, it is it is hard hitting. It is complex. It's the kind of book that you won't, it'll take you a little bit before you kind of get into the rhythm of the story and start to get to know the characters and who's talking, since they don't really use a lot of, you know, actual names, like, you know, the shoveler, the freak. Like, sometimes it's a little bit like when you start a new chapter, like, wait, wait, wait a minute, who's talking again? Um, but it is so worth it. It's fantastic. I absolutely will be reading the rest of her books. Um, but again, that is Dig, and that is the newest book from A.S. King. So, speaking of her books, uh, possibly the greatest thing that happened to me this year, and I did get kittens, so you know that that's saying something. <laughs> uh, I found, she has a, a middle grade novel coming in the fall, and I found out that she named the main character after me, which is... Like, the greatest honor of my life. I absolutely love A.S. King. And, yeah. So, I'm just bragging because wow. I'm <laughs> so excited. I, I cried. Like, I found out I cried. I just... It was amazing. And I'm so honored. And I'm just, like, so excited. It's very... It, I know you find it hard to believe, but not many people are named Liberty in books. <laughs> um, so, I don't get to read characters with my name very often. Uh, it is on all the money, which is cool, but, you know, it's not in books, so... Anyway, that's something that happened, and I'm pretty excited about it. That so. is amazing. I would be bragging about that to every person who passed me on the street. I'm like, I don't even care if you don't know who this person is. I'm going to tell you about awesome. it. awesome. So, um, all right. My next book is called Guest Book Ghost Stories by Leanne Shapton. Now, I did not know anything about this. I just saw somebody online, uh, a reader whose opinion I trust. I think it was actually somebody working in publishing who was like, you want to read this book. So I was like, yes, yes, I want to read this book. It's ghost stories, obviously. It's in the title. I had no idea like what it was when until I received it. She is a visual artist, and it is like this really cool book, starting with the cover. So the cover of the book says, guest book. But when you kind of turn it in the light, it says ghost stories. So it's like so rad already right there. And it is full of illustrations and photos. And both color and black and white. And it's about spirits. There's, it's like two dozen of these little stories. There's a, a ghost who decides to hitch a ride back from Alcatraz, like the ghost of a prisoner. He decides he's going to move in with this woman who had visited the island. Um, there's stories of ghosts haunting their old homes. There's a tennis star who credits his wins uh, with a spirit. Says so it gets the spirit doing it, not him. Um, like I said, there's like two dozen of these little stories and they're so unusual. And I, like, I just thought I was getting like a book of straight up ghost stories and I was like, yay, ready to be scared. But like, there's, they're not 
conventional, but they're still a little, like, distressing and cool and, like, interesting. Um, because, you know, as you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, and sometimes, like, there's, like, these pictures that go with them, and if you look at it for too long, you're like, I'm getting freaked out, you know, like, because you just start thinking about the story and what goes with it, you know. Um, when I was little, my grandmother had this collection of, like, those Time Warner books that were, like, ones about aliens and ones about unsolved crime, and that is where I learned to love, you know, Lizzie Borden and the Lindbergh baby case and all that stuff. And there was one image in particular that I would always look at when I went over to her house. Um, I'm This is, like, therapy. I'm, like, talking about stuff. Um, <laughs> of, like, there was a, a case of spontaneous combustion... It was just, like, a picture of a chair with shoes. I'm sure... It's a very famous photo. I'm sure many people have seen it. Um, and that's what, like, this gave me that kind of feel, like, when I would, like... I'm like, I want to look at the shoe picture again. Like, these are, like, just pictures of people. But then when you start thinking about the stories around them, you know, it's like, oh, I'm getting freaked out. But also, they're so interesting and fun. Um, I just... I absolutely loved it. It's it's so unusual. So, again, it is called Guest Book Ghost Stories, and it's by Leanne Shafton. And that brings me to our next sponsor, uh, that is Nan A. Talese Doubleday, publishers of The Handmaid's Tale graphic novel, which is out today, I believe. Yes. Um, provocative, startling, prophetic, The Handmaid's Tale has long been a global phenomenon, with this stunning graphic novel adaptation of Margaret Atwood's modern classic, beautifully realized by artist Renee Nault, the terrifying reality of Gilead has been brought to vivid life like never before. Offred is a handmaid in the Republic of Gilead, where women are prohibited from holding jobs, reading, and forming friendships. She serves in the household of the commander and his wife, and under the new social order, she has only one purpose. Once a month, she must lie on her back and pray that the commander makes her pregnant, because in an age of declining births, Offred and the other handmaids are valued only if they are fertile. But Offred remembers the years before Gilead, when she was an independent woman who had a job, a family, and a name of her own. Now her memories and her will to survive are acts of rebellion. So... Many people are familiar with The Handmaid's Tale now because of the TV show, which I still have not seen. I do want to watch it, but I still, I don't know, I haven't seen it yet. Um, so this is a new graphic novel, and again, it's uh, based on Margaret Atwood's book, and it's rendered by Renee Nault, and it is available now wherever books are sold. We'll have a link to it in the show notes, and we thank them for sponsoring. Yeah, I have not seen the show. That has been on purpose because I know that it, w that is one of those things that I'm like, I know that will trigger me. <laughs> like to, you know, fits of crying and anxiety. My um my husband Blaine has seen the show and he said it was incredible, but he's also like, yeah, I can see why you want to take a pass on this one. <laughs> he was like, it was hard for me to watch and I'm a guy and I cannot even imagine what it would be like if you want if you tried to watch it. So, that's one that I will have to that I I have to bow out of. I'm like, I I still I have not read the book yet. I do plan to read the book. It's going to take, you know, it'll take some working up to it, but the show I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. Um, on kind of a related note, or at least talking about the emotional effects of being a woman, um, my next book is, um, a nonfiction book, and I have to get back to my show notes. Where did those go? Um, and there we go. It is Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. Um... So I did not, I was, I'm familiar with Emily Nagoski. I know she wrote the book Come As You Are, uh, which is also a book Riot favorite. Have not read that one, but she, as a person and as a scientist, um, has been on my radar. And this book, um, I don't typically go for kind of self-help type of books or, or be, 
they just don't, they don't always work for me. Um, I either, you know, the, the perspective just doesn't match with mine or whatever the case may be. Um, this one I really enjoyed. So it looks at why women experience burnout differently than men and then provides a research science-based plan to help women minimize stress, manage emotions, and live a more joyful life. Um, because there's, as the book really looks at, there's a difference between what is expected of women and what it's like to be a woman. You know, like we have all of these expectations on how we're supposed to look, behave, think, feel, react, and what it's like to actually experience those things. There's a huge disconnect. Um, they do note, and I will note this here as well, that most of the studies that they reference uh, in the book are studies that have done primarily with cisgender heterosexual women. So that is a limitation of the book that they that they uh, that they acknowledge. Um, they there isn't a lot of exploration of uh, tr- for trans women or people who identify as non-binary or you know all the different variations on on the gender spectrum. Um, so there there is that that I that I want to acknowledge. Um, but it's, you know, they, they, it's kind of looking at the questions, like, how can you live happily in a sexist world that is telling you you're too fat, too needy, too noisy, too selfish, all of these things, you're too much, um, and how that contributes to burnout from feeling like you have to do everything and be everything in work and family as a, you know, as an individual, like, even, like, the self-care stuff is, like, you have to do this and you have to do it like this Instagram person and you, like, it, it, it's just, it's huge. Um, and, you know, I was drawn, you know, I was drawn to the book because, like, pretty, I mean, like most people, and especially women, I have experienced severe burnout before, and it sucks. Um, last time I remember it happening, I was, because, you know, I, I, as a librarian, I work, interact a lot with the public, and at the time I was doing talks on, addressing sexual harassment from people when you work in a library and like how to deal with that. And it was like two straight weeks of this. And, you know, that was when, um, the, uh, what's his face, the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke and me too. Like this was all in like a two week span. And I finally, I came home from work and I just collapsed on the couch sobbing because I was just like, so done. Um, and they, like, when they describe the physical elements of burnout and how drastically it can affect your body and you can experience it and not realize that your body has had enough, like this, this, I was reading and like, you know, getting, getting a little teary eyed. I was like, oh my gosh, I relate to this so hard. Um, it, uh, in the book, they have two different case studies that are compilations of stories that they, that they have heard from talking to different women from different backgrounds, different experiences, and they kind of compiled two case studies that look at different aspects of burnout from different situations. Um, what's, what's nice is that one of the case studies um, focuses a lot on issues experienced by women of color and how that differs from struggles experienced by white women. And so they do, they do talk a fair amount about 
you know, there, you know, there are issues that women of color have to have to contend with on top of all this other stuff that white women just do not have to directly experience, um, which was which was good to see, because a lot of times these books are very much centered around, you know, the white woman experience. Um, so I was glad that they included that as well. Um, but this book, I mean, the only complaint I have is that it was, that it was short and I feel like there's so much more that can be said about, about this. Um, I would love to see a book either from these authors or another author that does like a deep, like a really deep dive in, into stuff like this. Cause I found it so interesting, but I found, you know, I, I found it extremely relatable. Um, it's a book that I definitely want to reread now that I kind of have, you know, an idea of the overall structure of the book i can go back and uh go back and read it and pick up on some more of the specifics that they that they mention um but i really enjoyed it um and again that is burnout the secret to unlocking the stress cycle by emily nagoski and amelia nagoski all right and my last pick uh is a little tiny book um i did not get through the one that i hope to read uh, for the show, because I've been sick. I'm very sorry, but I will talk about it at another time. But this one I did read because it's a little tiny. Also, it's Catherine Dunn. It is On Cussing by Catherine Dunn. That is the author, Catherine Dunn, the author of Geek Love, also of the novels Attic and Truck. Like, people were like, oh, Geek Love, is that the only thing she did? Nope, she wrote two other novels, and she wrote a book on boxing. And she's amazing, and I loved her. We lost her in 2016, which is very sad. And this is a little tiny book out from Tin House now. Uh, previously unpublished stuff about swearing. So I can't really say a lot of the things that she says in the book because um, we don't uh, say bad words on this show. Uh, but uh, it, she covers like a brief history of swearing as well as like the physiology, like the effects the body on the body to hear certain words, how it feels to say certain words, um, how we use cussing. Um, and it is just peppered with these wonderful curse words and profane expressions, many of which I had never heard before. I don't know if it's like a East Coast, West Coast kind of thing, because she's from Portland, Oregon, and I'm over here on the other side of the country. Uh, but some of them were like, laugh out loud. Uh, I would never say some of these things, but oh my goodness, so funny. Um, like I said, I can't say any of them here. I was like, it's not even like, I can't, I was like, I can't pick any of these. Um, but she's, you know, I just love her. So that, you know, like, this is a great stocking stuffer. It's a great graduation gift. Uh, put it in an Easter basket. If you're an adult who gets Easter baskets, children, not so much. Or maybe start them early. I don't know. Um, but it's just boxing fantastic. So that is called On Cussing, and it is by Catherine Dunn. I was just thinking you should you should uh, should have picked a couple of examples, but then try to like do like modify them with like good place swears. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, that uh, the plague has just spoiled my brain today. <laughs> that's okay. I am so excited to hear about this because I can think of like ten people off the top of my head that I'm like I need to buy them this for Christmas. And then when you said that that she introduces like new phrases that you had never heard before, you should have seen my eyes light up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can't wait to read this. So I'm adding that one to my buy immediately list. Um, so my final book, um, is one that I have not read all the way through yet, because as, as much as I love to read, I just cannot keep up with liberty levels of reading. <laughs> but that's okay, because I am very much enjoying it so far, and it's received a lot of attention and really great reviews. Um, so I'm going, I am going to finish it over the next couple of days, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Um, that is The Other Americans by Leila Lalami. 
Um, she, she wrote the Moore's account, which, oh gosh, I want to say it won or was nominated for a Pulitzer or Nobel Prize for Literature, some, some very prestigious literature novel. So, um, literature novel, literature award. Um, so the, at the center of the story, um, is, um, an incident where, uh, an immigrant, uh, a man who had, uh, emigrated from, it's either Egypt or Morocco. I can't remember exactly which one it is. His name is Dress, uh, Driss, sorry. Um, and he is killed late at night by a speeding car as he's leaving his, um, his business and he's heading home. Um, he's killed, he's hit and run over by a speeding car. Is it an accident? Is it intentional? We don't know. Um, so the story is told, um, again, through multiple perspectives. Um, it, there's, there's a bunch of different converging storylines, but um, a few of the ones that it focuses on are his daughter, Nora, who is revisiting her hometown for her father's funeral, Driss's widow, um, Efrain, who is uh, an undocumented witness who saw the accident, but who is afraid of being deported and afraid of his family members being deported and targeted, which keeps him from coming forward with what he saw. Um, Jeremy, who's an old friend of Nora's and an Iraqi war veteran. There's the detective on the case. Um, we get perspe- we get kind of backstory from Driss himself, the man who has run over. He's kind of like a ethereal, you know, just kind of talking about things that happened in the past in his life. Um, and just right away, like I like in the first few pages, I could tell that this book was it is. It's a lyrical novel, but without, but it's very, but it's also one of those books that like just really cuts to the chase. Like you, you're not distracted. Like some authors I know that they, they have very lyrical poetic language and that's kind of what you focus on the language rather than the story and like what's being said. Um, her writing just, I feel like it just cuts to the bone. Um, and it, it, it's just a, timely, unfortunately timely, look at issues of race and class and religion, um, the scary issues around immigration, xenophobia, um, and just, and it looks at these from, you know, all of these characters are from different places in in their lives, and then, you know, ultimately their stories kind of, you know, kind of converge. Um, And it just, this is, this just seems to be a really, really timely issue centered novel um this would probably be an excellent pick for book clubs we're probably going to be seeing a lot a lot of book clubs uh picking this one to talk about because i can already tell even in the first like quarter of the book there's a lot to chew on um so again that is the other americans by Layla lalami all right those are our new books what are you going to read next um well I I have such a stack of books I need to read, but the one that keeps popping to the forefront of my mind is uh, The Trial of Lizzie Borden by Kara uh, Robertson. Kara Robertson, I think, was the author. Um, and I'm I'm like you. I totally am obsessed with the with the story of Lizzie Borden. And last year, I visited the Lizzie Borden house while I was reading um, See What I Have Done. Like, literally, I was in the middle of that book as I was touring the Lizzie Borden house, which was so cool. Um, but this book, I picked this one on Red or Dead as one of my most anticipated books for the year. Um, I... So I am just super excited to um to kind of jump, jump into that. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I've got... 
I've got I've got a ton of other books that I need to read, so we'll we'll have to see. But Trial of Lizzie Borden's definitely at the top of the list. What about you? Yeah, I picked that up last week uh, because Kelly talked about it on the show. I was going to read it for the show, but uh, she wanted to do it, so I was like, all right. Uh, but I was delighted because I was listening to For Real, our nonfiction podcast the other day, and Alice Burton was saying, you know, I'm going to talk about Lizzie Borden. I have lots of thoughts about it. And I was like, yay! So I listened to her talk about it. I was like, well, that was cool. She's like, however, let me talk about people who stay in Lizzie Borden's house. And it was amazing. I laughed so hard because she was saying how it was in poor taste and people are gross who do that. And I was like, I am totally one of those gross people who stay... I was like texting her. I was laughing so hard. Because I will completely admit to being an insensitive 20-something, you know, morbid little monster who stayed at the Lizzie Borden house um, and just made me laugh really hard. Yeah, I, uh, I, we did not stay at the Lizzie Borden house, but I was like, we need to. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would today, but it was, it was something. And I was like, we'll get together, and I'll tell you all the crazy stories that I have from when I was there. <laughs> so, it was fun. But I am actually, I just started the Last Pass by Gary Pomerantz, which is about uh, the Boston Celtics. Uh, Bill Cousy, uh, not, not Bill Cousy, Bill Russell and Bob Cousy in particular. Um, it's basically uh, Bob Cousy was the star of the Boston Celtics in the 1950s, and Bill Russell was the first African American player uh, on their team. And uh, Bob Cousy, I saw, I picked this up because I saw an interview with him. Uh, he he's like 90 now, and he's he's apologizing to Bill Russell, who's like 84, saying that you know back in the 1950s um, I was a narcissist and I was only interested in winning and I didn't really pay attention to you know the prejudice that you were experiencing. And it's like basically like he had this apology, and because I was like, do I want to read this? Is this just like his white guilt? But he seems genuinely sincere, and it's quite interesting. And also, I will read any book about the Boston Celtics set, you know, from the nineteen from from the twentieth century. Um, I just that, I loved the Celtics when I was a little kid, and I love reading about them. So it's it's pretty interesting so far. Uh, so that is it. We made it. <laughs> you can, made I it. Can, <laughs> I know. I want to feel well, but I don't. So I'm going to go to bed. But first, I want to. Uh, remind you that you can go to insiders.bookriot.com to sign up for the new release index. You can also get the twenty, uh, the twentieth anniversary, the two hundredth episode shirt of Book Riot. All the books show. Uh, it's at bookriot.com/bananapants. Uh, thank you to The Perfect Girlfriend by Karen Hamilton, out now from Graydon House Books, and to The Handmaid's Tale graphic novel, out now. Uh, from Nan, A, Talise, and Doubleday. If you want to drop us a line, you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com. Uh, I am Miss Liberty on Twitter. Katie, how can they find you on Twitter if they can find you on Twitter? Yes. Is that can. you there? Are you at KT underscore library lady? That is me. I was looking for you, like, I, I was like, I forgot to ask her before the show started, and then I couldn't find, I couldn't find you. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> um, that, I would never have guessed that in a million years, so I'm glad that you put that in there. So yes. it is KT underscore library lady. Um, and if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about poor, poor books today, oh my goodness, see, I need to go to bed, listeners. Uh, as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy reading. <laughs> <laughs>